Hello again, and welcome to Killing the Great White Male. Last time, we left off with the question, when was the last time you saw someone's bare-naked soul? And I'm not, like, completely oblivious to the fact that we were asking that in the context of burlesque, but I think there's a lot more to it. I don't know about you, but I know my life does not have nearly enough of those moments when I just realize that I'm, I'm seeing someone and that precious, precious part of them that, that they only gets hidden by the, the ways we operate in the world. So that's where we are in this, in this conversation. Let's go ahead and dive right back in. But Uh, yeah, go, go. Okay. Okay. So this is, so, okay. So the, um, the pleasure activism lineage brought up tons of grief, spent a lot of time crying, spent a lot of time being like, my life has never had any pleasure in it, which is not true, but it felt that way. Yeah. Um, and I'm so know, glad to hear uh, that. Good God, that was my experience. Yeah, just really powerful. It was interesting. I brought it up to my husband and he had the same reaction. He like got, he felt bad for a minute. And I was like, yeah, me too. I felt that same madness. That's exactly how I felt. But what was really interesting to me, so I, but I, I made myself do it. Because I was like, no, clearly, I, you know, I'm not a person who is completely devoid of pleasure. Clearly, there has been some road to some experiences of pleasure in my life. Otherwise, I would be dead. So <laughs> so I, I went through it, and I have a bunch of stuff on here. But after I had written it out, I suddenly realized that I had completely left off theater, which is probably the main conduit that that I ever took. So, so, <laughs> so this is, yeah, well, this, like, this is my, uh, interestingly, I had put Oscar Wilde on here because in sixth grade, I did a production of the importance of being earnest. And I fell in love with the way Oscar Wilde is just like such a petty bitch about society. And, and like the way he just rips <laughs> the throat out of polite Victorian expression and yet it's so funny and it's so delightful and it's such a such a pleasant place to inhabit that you still that you stay with it the whole time. Yep. Um, and of course, like it was my first real experience of identifying deeply with a gay man and being like, oh, oh like here's that particular feeling of expression. Like here's that just like sassy, bay, femme, limp wrist, like uh totally like laid out on the 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 divan with your hand on your head complaining of a of not a, that this a, is the only way to be gay but, no of course but, not. but it's, it's but, a like, fabulous this way performative this performative inhabitants yes. of of an intensely femme gayness was so oh. delicious to me um oh. and then i and i and then i um you know i i I made I, at that time in my life I had made theater the central part of my life specifically because I couldn't express who I was in any realm of my life not at home not socially not at mm. school which I dropped out of around the same time I dropped out in sixth grade um, not around adults not around my peers but what I could do is embody other people authentically and thus find that experience of feeling authentic. So when I would 
do theater, when I would take on a role, I would deeply connect to this other person and get to live their truth. And that would allow me to experience what it might be like to live truth. Yes. Even if it wasn't mine. <laughs> like, like I had to take, I had to take it from, from another character, but I could find, but I could find that crack, that practice, that, um, uh, that access point to what it feels like to embody yourself. And so for that time when I was on stage, oh. I, I could be, I could tap into that freedom and that energy that exists innately within the experience of being human. And then as soon as the show was over, I had to shut back down because there was no safety in being any legitimate part of myself or even being mm-hmm. with myself because I had experienced and was experiencing sexual abuse. Your body becomes an enemy, like yeah. your own interiority becomes an enemy where you can't be with yourself because you, your own self is not safe. Like your own yeah. interior space is not safe. So if I could transform that into somebody else's interior self, I could experience the proximity of, in, I could experience interiority that way. And it almost was as good to, <laughs> because, because it, it was the experience, it was just the access to that. And so I was able to cultivate this very rich internal life that by coming at it sideways. And, you know, by coming at it queerly, like from the side, from a different perspective in a not normal way. Yeah. And like that was, so I think, I think theater and performance is incredibly important and powerful. And now when I'm not locked in my house all day long, um, I do improv, which to me, which I've been doing for years and years and which to me allows me to, um, even more authentically, uh, I do theatrical improv, so so it allows me to even more authentically bring my whole self to a situation and interact with other people's whole selves without the without um, the danger of us bringing our personal selves that can get hurt. Mm. You know, so which is which is, that's still very important work, but it's not work that. Um, that I want to do on a biweekly basis with people I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so having, having a way to sort of engage in this beautiful communication where um, it, it's very like an emergent uh, strategy of like, you get everybody in a space and then you see what's there and you bring and you act it out and everybody's best and worst selves comes with it. And it's very yes. dangerous activity. And when you perform publicly, um, it's a very dangerous activity because there's yep. nothing in the world worse than bad improv. <laughs> and, uh, but it's thrilling and liberating and life-giving um, mm. because it, it accesses something genuine and allows for genuine, allows me to have genuine connection where often I'm unable to be vulnerable with, with my genuine interior self with people like i have incredible struggle i feel i felt very jealous reading this book she she describes her relationships with her friends with her community and i was like man i need to do the work i need to get to a level where i mean i I think a huge problem for me my whole life is i haven't understood who i am i haven't understood that 
I was a trans man. So I, I wound up having many inauthentic relationships with female friends, and I didn't know why. I didn't know why I couldn't show up in the ways that they wanted me to show up. And I didn't know why I was fucking up in the ways that they were clearly upset with me. Mm. Um, and then finding out I have ADHD, I have anxiety, I have depression, I have learning disabilities. It, it's all suddenly coming together where I'm, I've been like, oh, I've been, I've been holding myself to this standard of who I'm supposed to be. And none of that is possible for me, not chemically, yeah. not physically not emotionally not psychologically and so the the joy of diagnosis for me has been the ability to let go of of um this cis heteronormative <laughs> person that i'm supposed to be yeah. um and and find genuine uh expression and um and theater is such a powerful medium for that. Any kind of performance or even just personal performance, like like something that's really helped me through uh, lockdown has been cultivating my own interior performance with myself. Like when I need mm. to access myself, I will put on a little show for myself. Like Oh, how fun. Yeah, yeah. It's really... <laughs> I, uh, okay, I'm having a tiny bit of a hard time talking about it, but I want to talk about it because I'm proud of it and I want to own it. Um, you know, the idea in theater is that you're performing for an audience and everything in theater that you learn is like you're connecting with the people out there and it's your audience and it's how, and you're going to hustle. And I wanted to go to Hollywood for a long time, be a movie star, do that whole thing. So I was like, here, I feel alive here. Um, but recently I've been, I've been cultivating this idea of like, what if this is just something for me? Yes. What, if, what if this is just something that I allow to be for myself because I love myself and I'm worth it. And I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to deny the ability to perform in myself because I don't have an audience. Like, it, which relates to me to the idea of like, how do I, reclaim my pleasure how do i take responsibility for my own pleasure um sexually where i don't need another partner to fulfill that need for me so i can feel that way and i'm like i have that same relationship with an audience where i'm like i need you guys to validate my experience and while that's a wonderful and powerful and cool thing i'm seriously cutting myself off from resources that i have if i need there to be an external audience. And I'm also devaluing my own ability to, to be an audience for myself because I think I'm hilarious and I love myself so much in so many ways. And to not take space to express that and uh -huh. enjoy that is to, is to deprive myself of a huge part of what's pleasurable and awesome about my life. I mean, and honestly, you're going to be around yourself your whole life. Oh. So you might as well enjoy yourself. I wrote that, um, to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance, which is an Oscar Wilde quote that oh. has stuck with me my whole life. I love it so much. It's from an ideal husband. God, Oscar Wilde is amazing. I love him. That um, is brilliant. And I and it's said with sarcasm and self-indulgence, but it's also sort of like, hell yes. <laughs> to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. Like, why wouldn't we cultivate this deep, sexy wonderful juicy hilarious place with yourself I, I, so i gotta admit i struggle so much with all of this stuff and the 
like the closest I can get most days, you know, if, if I was to look in the mirror mm -hmm. is, and, and this comes from the theater background for me as well. Like for me, theater was about finding the splinter of that character in myself and then turning up the volume on it and seeing what happened. Right. Yeah, Imagine yeah. a world where this was the center of me and then mm -hmm. what happens. Right. And so yeah, yeah. for me, theater work was always very much an, a, a, a work of authentic. Um, but it was just a part of me that I'd turned up the volume on. Right. Like that was the way I thought about it. But looking in the mirror and asking the question, like, most the, the as far as I can get most days is imagine a world where this is a good looking or attractive human being like that's as close as I can get is maybe imagine a world where where this is true. Right. And it's such a ugh, but that's that like that's the struggle. So I, I don't know how how to engage this personally more. I, I'm going to have to do it. I like she talks all, uh, about noticing her body and um yeah yeah right like i'm, I'm I, feeling my kneecap right now you know that's well, a beautiful I really, little kneecap i really i'd really love to talk about this a little because this this is like the second time you've mentioned looking in the mirror as part of your practice because it's something she recommends right like yep. looking in the mirror too it's like, but i realized um something that i learned from early on from my my feminist practices was um something that works really well for me is getting rid of the mirror. Yep. And like for, for a very, very long time, there were no mirrors in my house. And that helped me profoundly to, um, to, to diverge the idea of what I look like in a mirror from who I am. Hmm. And so even now, like I totally respect mirror practices for people. I think lots of people benefit from them. But I don't think that it's a good avenue for me personally. It's not because... a prescription. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And like uh, some people's, some people's practices are going to work great for some people. And like this is why we need to really choose our own adventure in everything that we do. Yes. Um, especially when we're when we're coming at things um, from different privilege sets and different identities and different like, types of wounds. And it, yeah, and different types of wounds. Like for for me, it's been profoundly important to um, build a deeply like embodied somatic here and now connection with my body. I find that the presence of a mirror um, uh, forces me out. Yeah, in a places way. you outside yourself. Where where I'm so where I wind up doing intellectual work about my own beauty, and then that inevitably has me analyzing what beauty is and what those standards are and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I've, so in my own body love journey, I had to just completely decide that I don't care about that. And, <laughs> you know, I, which I variously successful on from day to day, um, <laughs> but eliminating, eliminating any idea of, you, you know, it this came to me when um, in, the first time I went to college when we talked about the male gaze and I realized that the yep. man in me is viewing my female quote unquote body through oh, wow. a male gaze. Like I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm here I am looking at myself as an other because I don't understand or identify with this 
hyper-feminine thing when I feel masculine because I've been, my masculinity is, it's so like, and I was like, oh man, this is a cesspool for me yep. of nonsense. And I have to find completely different ways to, um, to get in here and love what this is. And so, so I've really had to focus on like, what can my body do that is exciting to me? And I, I wound up joining a, a part of that exploration. I wound up joining a trail crew where, because I didn't believe that I was physically capable of, um, you know, hiking 20 miles a day, mm. working 10, 10 hours a day, 10 days, uh, in 10 day stretches. And like, I fucking, and then I, and I, I did. <laughs> and I had a great time and it was amazing. And I, and I really was like, okay, I have this body that can do things, not just this body that can perform things for other people. Cause that was part of the horror of theater for me that, that ultimately broke it really broke me down in a lot of ways because while I had found this way to access my own interiority through other characters, I was also um, dependent on the performance aspect of it, like we yeah. talked about earlier, where I'm dependent on other people looking at me and calling it good. Dependent on other people looking at me and calling it good. The conversation between Katrina and I around the topic of mirrors and theater was so hard to follow for me when I was in it. And as I listened back to it to to put this together, I was shocked at, at how much more clear it was listening to it than being in it, which I, I, I don't know what that's about. Um, but I do know that it was significant. Um it, it's really amazing to me how two people with so many similar experiences can end up with very, very different uh, takeaways or, or interpretations or intentions around them. And again, I'm, I got to point to the importance of variety. Like with, with all that, that Katrina and I have in common on these things, we still end up with radically different experiences and kind of personal commandments around them. So I guess, I guess, I don't know if you want the case for variety and why it's important. I guess that, that right there, because we're both two people trying to work this shit out and, and trying to be responsible about it. Um, and I would say good people. Um, God, that was hard for me to say that almost popped out of my mouth earlier and my brain stopped it. So there you go. That's what the work is right now. Uh, I guess that's where it is. We'll talk with you next time.